All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's good to hear so much conversating going on. Some joyous talking, I'm sure. All right. So, whew, we have some exciting stuff to cover today. And I didn't quite time it out, so we're going to see how fast I have to go or how slow I have to talk as I go through this, as I continue on in my message. So, as we say, welcome everyone. This is our upper room service. We want to welcome those who are watching online as well. If you are at home watching, uh, make sure you have a, a cup of something or a, a cracker to partake in communion. If you remember, we are doing a different type of communion uh, during this pandemic. And we have, uh, you'll see in the chairs in front of you, these little cups. Um, so make sure at some point you grab yourself a cup. Uh, there's two different tabs. Remember, the first tab opens up the cracker part, and then the bigger tab opens up uh, the juice part, and, and we'll have that um, after our message today. So we'll have a time of remembrance for the Lord. So we call that our upper room service because it was in the upper room where Jesus instituted the Last Supper and had that time of communion um, with his disciples. And each year we kind of do a different series during the upper room as, as opposed to our normal series. Like we're going through the book of Acts, um, but then during the upper rooms we do a little bit of a different study uh, looking at various different aspects. And this time we're doing different characters in the Bible. And today we're going to look at the prophet Elijah and all that he has uh, for us to learn today. And it's very exciting to be looking at this character. So he was somebody who ministered during the ninth century in the northern kingdom during the reign of Ahab. If you remember, after King Solomon, the, the nation was divided to Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and, and he was proclaiming the message of God to the northern kingdom. He, we don't know much about his background. It, it tells us that he was a Tishbite, but not a lot of scholars know what that means. I guess he was from Tish or he was from a bite. I don't know. But somehow he was a Tish bite, and that's what he is known as. He is also known from the king by King Ahab as the troubler of Israel. Somebody who, who just, he gets the blame from the king for all the things that are happening where Elijah is really like, I'm not to blame. You and your poor leadership is the reason that Israel has fallen upon hard times. So we see some of the events from his life of the miracle of the widow's food not ending. We see him raising the widow's son to life that we'll get into all these things more in a little bit. But today, for the kid portion of this, and the kids stay in the service for Upper Room, so I like to include them in our service today. So we're going to have a great time of acting and performance, and these guys are probably going to win some kind of award for what they do on this stage today, some kind of an academy. Before we get to that, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name, a place to proclaim your greatness through song, that there is no God like Jehovah, where we can open your scriptures and read about the great prophets who proclaimed your name during harsh times, Lord. And Lord, that we today are your servants, proclaiming this same message into a broken world. Be with us today as we hear. Be with me as I speak and bring forth your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's the moment the kids have been waiting for. Kids, come on up on stage. Remember, 
I have bribes to get you up here, so there is candy involved in this. And this is a fun one. You guys will have a great time. So come on up and enjoy this time together. Here we go. Oh, my showstopper's coming up. Here she comes. Hey, Evelyn, here we go. Got my eye on you this Okay, we're already, we're already starting, huh? You got a new dress. All right, here we go. Oh, I'm not even going to say he was up here. All right, so we got some pieces to this puzzle that we need. We need somebody who wants to be Elijah. We need somebody who is strong, who vocal, who stands strong as a man and is vocal. Trevor, do you want to be Elijah? You don't have to say anything. I'm going to say all of Elijah's parts. No, all right, well, we got one over here. What's your name? Remind me of your name again. Mate, that's right. All right, so we got Elijah over there. So the rest of you can come over here because you guys are now have fallen into be the prophets of Baal. See, you could have been Elijah. <laughs> could have been Elijah, and now look at you now. You're prophets of Baal. Uh, all by yourself, aren't you? Just like Elijah, all alone. All right, so, so here we have, if you want to turn to, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're not going to exactly read it, but if you want to follow along with the things that are happening, it might not be exactly to terms, but this is what's going to happen here uh, on stage. So we have Elijah. We have, oh wait, I forgot. We need a, a King Ahab. Who wants to be a king? You have to speak. No, no speaking. I'll do the speaking for you. This way you don't have to be a prophet of Baal. But I don't know if really being King Ahab's any better. But it works. Here, you can get on the stage, too, so you can, look you can be tall like a king. Whoa. Look at that king. All right. So we have Elijah, King Ahab, prophets of Baal, and I'm going, well, not play the part of God, but I'm going to assume some, you know what I mean. All right. So let's go through this story and think about what is happening here in this story. So. The beginning of Elijah's story is that he is proclaiming a, a drought, a time of no rain. He says, no rain is going to fall unless God directs me to say that rain will fall. So it's now been three years of no rain. And now this sets the scene for what we see in uh, 1 Kings 18. So God says to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. And I will send rain upon the earth. So he comes to Ahab. Come here. You're going to meet, uh, say, hey, king. Say, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't want to say. So he then the king responds and says, oh, is that you, the troublemaker of Israel? Does that make you feel good? No, it doesn't make you feel good. So then Elijah goes on. Like I, You don't have to explain this. But Elijah goes on and says, no, it is you who have made trouble for Israel. You have caused all these problems. You and your leadership has failed the nation. Right? Yes, he had, that's, like, that's exactly what he says. So now he gets this. He says, you know what? Let's have a, a dance-off. No, I'm just kidding. Not a dance-off. But let's have this battle. Let's, let's show off and see who is the mighty God of trueness, the real God. There is no God like Jehovah. So he says, listen, I want you to gather 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. That's you guys say. Now, this is just pretend. All right? This is not for real. Just say, yay, Baal. Yay, Baal. 
Oh, sinners. All right, so here we have all these things happening here. They are gathering their prophets. So the stage is set. The battle between Elijah, say, woo, yeah, and the prophets of Baal. So here's what happens. The prophets of Baal, you see your altars behind you there. I need you guys to gather some sticks and put them on your altar there, otherwise known as an end table upside down. So they go ahead. Build your altar to Baal. Put those sticks on. You can get some sticks too. Go ahead, get some sticks and put them over on the altar here. You're assembling. Yes. Remember, you're not, there we go. Leave, leave some for Elijah. Okay, he's got some. All right. So, now, that's all right, you know. This is a no practice skit. All right, so, what's missing from your sacrifice? Food or? Person. <laughs> Unexpected. All right. I mean, Jesus, I guess you could say, but oh, all right. How about animal? Can we agree to animal? Let's agree to animal. All right. Can we agree to killer whale? It's the, it's, it's the best thing we got. It's a killer whale. Yeah, it's a killer whale. No one wants the killer whale. Faith Fellowship Church does not condone the sacrifice of fish or killer whales in the ocean. We go live stream now so you know who's going to watch this. So disclaimer. All right, proceed. So I need you prophets of Baal to throw your animal on the sacrifice. Okay. Now, is the fire lit? No, okay, so there's, there's no fire. So here's part of this thing. Elijah, you're so smart, right? Yeah. He has this, he says, look, you guys pray to your God and see if he will come and, and light this fire. There's no grass. There's no bugs. It's just a sacrifice of a killer whale. So here we have the prophet to be. I need you to say, oh, Baal, please light this fire. Okay, now say it again with, with gumph and passion. Yeah, say it again. Oh, Baal, please light this fire. God said it for us. <laughs> Thank you for calling me that, but it's wrong. But they said it themselves, prophets of Baal, light this fire. Then they, it says even they begin to jump up and down. Jump up and down. Jump. Get off your seat. Jump around. All right, now say, oh, prophet, oh, Baal, light this fire. Oh, I said prophet. I mean, oh, Baal, light this fire. All right, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you see anything happening over there? Is there any fire? No, there's no fire. In fact, Elijah notices there's no fire, and he begins to taunt them. Do you like to taunt people? Oh, good answer. He said no. He does not like to taunt people. But in this case, you can. You, you can say stuff like, oh, maybe he's not listening. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's not listening. Yeah, maybe. Shout louder. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's not listening. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you, are, you are very good with di- direction. I mean... Tell them to shout louder. Shout louder. There we go. There we go. 
You're a very good, he's a very good listener. He is very direct with his instructions there. All right. So, I'm watching you. All right. So, all this thing is happening. There, there's no fire happening here. Say, oh, prophets of, of oh, Baal, light this fire. She's like, oh, there we go. False worship. All right. We're not promoting that in any way. Also, disclaimer. But all this is happening. This is a great scene. When you read through this, this huge thing, this is going on for hours. And, and no fire is coming. Sorry, but nothing is happening. G- good, yes. That's the, that's the part you could be happy with. All right. So then it's things to Elijah. So Elijah, pretend to dig a ditch around your altar. Just pretend to dig around your altar there. So he digs this ditch all around it. We're told that there's... Four jugs of water around here. And he tells him, not once, not twice, but three times. So why don't you go ahead and now build your altar. Remember, you're all alone. It's all these people against you. So you're building your altar. Of course, you need a sacrifice. So let me get my little... You got Play-Doh and stamps? I don't. Why do you get that stuff? All right. Not, I know, don't look, don't look, little kids. It's going to traumatize. All right, so here it comes. Here we go. Don't look. I don't make you guys. All right, so here comes the sacrifice. Place your sacrifice upon the altar. (laughs) So here it is. Now, I want you to pretend to pour water over your sacrifice. Remember I said not one time, not two times, but three times, he pours four jugs of water over this. You guys ever been camping? Ever been camping in the rain? No, never? That's pretty, that's pretty, that's some pretty good luck. Well, if you go camping in the rain, how hard is it to light a fire? Hey, King. High five. Just wanted you to feel a part, King I have. How you doing? All right. So, you like being tall? Yeah. All right. So, here he is. This thing is soaked. There, there is no way that, I didn't say compare. All right, so there is no way this fire should light, right? All right, what, what seems an impossible, God's going to make possible. And as we read in this story, in this account here that is happening, we have Elijah, and he is about to give this prayer before the Lord. And my thing timed out, and now it's looking for me. There we go. Technology is great. So here we go. He says, nothing has happened, or there is no sacrifice. The stage is set. Elijah is here to save the day, and he, is, he has mocked them, and nothing has happened. And now Elijah approaches the altar, and he says this. He says, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I ask you now to prove that you are the God of Israel, and for whom I have a servant. Show these people that it was you who commanded me to do these things. Lord, answer my prayer. Show these people that you, Lord, are God. And that you are the one who is to bring them back to you. And what happens? The fire fire comes down, lights the sacrifice, and you just know how dangerous that would have been. We thought about getting some kind of fire or something, but... There is some kind of safety concerns on stage and everything. And the fire is lit. God shows that there is no God like Jehovah. 
the, the, yeah, the bear's gone. The killer bear is actually still alive, I guess. But um, so all that to say, who is the true God? God. God is a true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. And this battle has been won, won against 850 prophets, prophets who prayed and jumped and nothing happened. And then one simple prayer from Elijah brings down the fire from heaven, lights the sacrifice, and not so great things happen to you guys, but we won't go there. But just read the story and find out what happens to the prophets of Baal, and your parents can fill you in. Yeah. Were you mad because you lost? Okay. That was a bad, okay, that was a bad, a very, fine, okay. Keep your dress down, we're online. Um, so, with that, kids, you are dismissed back to your seat. There is candy there that you can grab. Give them a round of applause. You can just leave it there. No, he's, he's fine. He's not going to die. He's, he's stuffed anyways. All right. We could have put a picture of fire. We could have, we could, have, we could always live in should-haves and would-haves. But who wants to do that? No, they're, they're yours. I don't, I don't need them. You can have them. But thank you, though. All right, then you guys can go back to your seats. You guys did awesome. Academy Awards for all. Whoa, coming up for more. King Ahab. Kind of appropriate for who you were, I guess. Well, how much did you... I didn't expect that much of the candy to go away. All right. Should have probably put some limits on that. That was, all right. So, do you get what is happening here? I think. So all, all that goes through. And then the story, though, continues. And, and in chapter 19, Queen Jezebel gets mention of what just happened. And you can read about this. She was not nice at all. Her and King Ahab were not a good combination for the nation of Israel. And she is not happy with what happens. But see, after all this, they should be happy. They should see that God is the God who reigns. And we didn't cover that. Then it rain comes. And the, and the drought ends. But she is furious. Totally upset. She wants to kill Elijah. Elijah then goes and runs. He flees from this because he is afraid for his life. And then he runs into a mountain, and as we find out it's Mount Sinai, the place where God met with Moses. And Moses, and God says to him, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah responds, and he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And he says, only I am left. He says, and take my life too. He's gone through this great experience of experiencing God, seeing the true God. And he comes and he says, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't even worth it. They all hate me. They all hate you. I don't even want to live anymore. All they want to do is kill me. They've killed your prophets. There's no one left. Well, if you read earlier in the story, you read about an interaction he had with this guy Obadiah, and it talks about how Obadiah kind of hid some of the prophets of the Lord. He knows he's not the only one. Like he has seen those prophets, the kids listening, die um, at the hands and, and all for their false worship. And then 
We're familiar with what happens next. God is going to reveal himself to Elijah. He says, come out from the mountain, and this great fire happens, and this great earthquake happens. And Scripture says that he wasn't in those. God wasn't present. But then there's a a still, small, quiet voice. And it's that quiet voice where he finds reverence. And he understands that he has heard and he has seen God on this mountain. And then God, again, God comes to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he gives the same exact response. I've been jealous, jealous for the Lord. And they've killed the prophets. I take my life too. And God basically, as you see, responds with my version of get back to work. Get back to the work that I have for you. You're not alone. I am with you. And he gives him some instructions to go and do these things. You know, as we, as we study the life of Elijah, I think there's a few lessons that we can learn from him. That as we turn through these pages of 1 Kings and even into the early parts of 2 Kings, we see some things to learn from Elijah. Even in this chapter 19, there is great things for Elijah's life. And what we first thing we see is that he in his life was guided by the Lord. You see that in 1 Kings 17, Verse 5, 1 Kings 17, 8, it says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord would come to him and he would go. The word of the Lord would come to him to go someplace else and he would go. Over and over he is given instructions to go and he follows the word of the Lord. He goes to see King Ahab because the Lord had told him to. Over and over God speaks to Elijah and gives him his plan. Our small group just finished a series. It's kind of ironic. A lot of my messages have flowed with a lot of similar themes as you're studying. So I think that's how God works and brings things to your minds over and over. And we've been studying a series called Whisper. It just ended last week, and it's based on 1 Kings 19, the whisper of God and hearing God's voice. You know, in that study, we all wish we had the Elijah experience, right, where we hear directly from God and he says, go and do this. And hopefully we respond, yes, I will go and do that. But it doesn't always happen in that case. In our last study, we talked about various different ways in which God leads us and guides us and shows us his way. And one of those ways that we talked about was promptings. And you know you ever kind of get that little like gut feeling where God wants you to do something? Maybe you're in a store and he prompts you maybe to help somebody. Or maybe he prompts you to say, hey, what? What can I pray for you about? These are little kind of things where the Holy Spirit is leading us in a way to act and give glory to God. But how many times do we, especially maybe with the gospel, turn off those promptings? And we feel like God, God is calling us and we're like, oh, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable in doing that. I don't feel comfortable in sharing. I don't feel comfortable with where you're taking me, Lord. And instead of being open and saying, Lord, I am your servant, use me as you want. We see that these are promptings that we want to act on. We, we want to follow through where, where God is calling us. God was leading Elijah all around in ministry. And we'll see how God worked and lived through him in all that he did. You see, he followed God's instructions. He was his guide. He took him to where he could serve. The second thing that we see is that Elijah glorified God. 
In 1 Kings 17.1, in his message, he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. I stand and give praise and honor and glory before the king. In the first Kings 18, as he says, he says, Answer me, O Lord, that this people may know you, O Lord our God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Lord, don't give me the attention for this, this stage here, for, for this sacrifice, for this battle between prophets. And make yourself known in my life. Make yourself known through my ministry. Don't let me be the shining light. Let your light shine through me. Don't give me all the attention. It's not about me. What's interesting is when you read chapter 19, as King Ahab is kind of telling Queen Jezebel of what's happening here, he attributes everything to Elijah. He never makes one mention of, you should have seen what God did through Elijah. You should have seen what God did through all these things. He says, you should have seen what Elijah did. He was focused on him and not on the God from heaven, the God who wrapped up all those altars in fire. He didn't see it as an act, as a glory to God. Yet, as we said before, also when the, when the widow dies that Elijah is going and staying with, all glory is given to God even in the raising of her son. The question is, whose perspective do we share in our lives? Are we focused on man's glory or are we focused on the glory of God? And I think about this most often kind of in the sports world. That's just where everything goes in my life, right? Like, oh, great, here's another sports analogy that I just don't get from Seth. But this guy has been in the news a lot recently by the name of Tim Tebow, right? Who laughed at Tim Tebow? That's just like a sin in church, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. But here he is. He is in the news, and all these things are happening, and he's signing, and he's getting back into the NFL. And as you follow the story of Tim Tebow, he is constantly saying everything is not about him. He talks about, one, the team, which is great for sports, but he always reflects on God. And what God has done in his life. The son of a missionary. When you read his story, his mother was told to abort him. And all that he was given going through in the birth. But here he is and he says, this is why I'm here. This is for the glory of God. And when he's in interviews and when he's proclaiming after a game, he is always proclaiming the greatness of God. Whether he's in a win or whether he's in a loss, he points and deflects the glory not from himself, but to God. Now, we can debate his own, like, physical gift and ability, if he should be playing, all those things. But one thing we can't debate is who he points to. And as we go through life, we want to be people who point to the glory of God in our life. People might see our life change. People might see the ways our lives change from when we were before we were saved. And, yeah, it's great to see, but you know who gets the glory in that? It is Christ. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God who has come into our lives to change us to give us the perspective that Elijah had, where he says, there is no God like my God. Watch my God call down fire from heaven and make a mockery of your false gods, your false witness, your, your chants and your jumping and your cheering. It's never going to bring down fire from your fake gods. All glory to my God forever and ever. The third lesson we see is how God provided for Elijah. And in verse 17, God sends the most glorious of all birds to feed Elijah. 
those blessed ravens come and provide strength and nourishment to Elijah. Amen? Amen. I don't see Steelers ever written in the Bible. <laughs> those ravens. So here he is, and he, and he is cared for, provided for by these ravens. In, in a moment of, of drought and of low food, he is cared for and protected. Then later on, as he goes and, and finds this widow, this widow says, I, I don't even have much. I don't really have anything to give. And he says, make me a cake. Guys like cake. What can we say? He says, I want cake. And he has cake. And her supplies never run out. It says, even throughout the rest of the drought, even as he is with her, her supplies would never run out. She would always have supplies for her family. All this was happening as God provided for him. But then we see in chapter 19 a very different Elijah, right? One who has run away and let fear overcome him. But even in that doubt, even in that low moment, as you read that, you see God still provides for him. An angel comes to him and ironically gives him the same food that the widow gave to him. It's almost as if God is saying, remember, I was there for you then, I am here for you now, and I am providing for you in everything. I am with you, even when he runs away and tries to flee from God. You know, I was thinking about God's provision. We've mentioned this before, I think, even from the stage or in church meetings. And as we go through this time of of pandemic, it's often a time of worry, right? We weren't sure how often we were going to be able to meet in person. We weren't sure what was going to happen with the finances of church and all these different things of worry about God. But through that, we have seen how God provides. To be a church that is even ahead of budget at a time like this is an amazing thing. That's correct, right? It is correct. All these things happening. Who would think that even we would have our largest new members class coming out of a pandemic? Don't tell me there's no God. There is a God who cares and protects and loves his people. I can't look on but look in awe when I see God work. When I see him bring down fire from heaven and just put to shame all their false worship. I'll say it again. There is no God like Jehovah. Reflect in your life. See how God has protected. See how he has provided for you in the midst of struggles. When, when he was all you had, you realized he was really all you needed in the first place. And Elijah learned that lesson, and he saw how God provided for him. The last thing we see here is that Elijah did the Father's will. He, he relied, and he acted, and he listened, and that still small voice said, get back to work. He goes and would appoint his successor. He, he goes and continues in the ministry. In the act of, of following and being guided by Christ, everything that we want in our lives is to follow that will of God. And in the book of James, it tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. A man broken, a man, though, who, who lived to honor God. A man who trusted God and did the will of the Father. And God wants the same things for us. To follow his guiding to lean and understand his 
protection, to give glory to him. And you know, as we try and, and transition now to a time of communion, we think about Christ, right? And Christ who also followed the Father's will. Scripture tells us that it was the will of the Father for him to be crushed and to be broken on the cross for our sins. You see, our, our sins deserved that punishment. Our, our sins deserved the wrath of God. But God and his Son had this plan. And Jesus said, I will take the wrath of the Father. And even as he is in the garden and looking toward that wrath, he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. If you don't understand what it means to have Christ as your sacrifice, I'd encourage you to talk with those in leadership. Talk with myself. Talk to Jim or Todd or anybody who is around you and figure out what it means to have Christ as your Savior. To understand the, the sin that is in your life, the brokenness that is in your life, and how that punishment was put upon Christ, and that is the sacrifice we come to remember today. If you believe this, I ask that you would take some time. Paul tells us to reflect and confess sins that are in our lives before we approach the table. To reflect on the bread and the cup. I ask now that you would take a time of silent prayer and reflection and confess sins that you have committed before Jesus. Worship team, you can come back up on stage. We'll close with a song. I want us to remember the example, the lessons that we learn from Elijah. A man who followed and was guided by the Lord. A man who gave glory to the Lord. A man who was provided for by the Lord. A man who followed the Father's will. And then Elijah was a man just like us. A man broken in sin, a man who though followed, but he also felt those low moments. He had those times of fear in his life. And in those fears, God got to him. In that depression, God got to him. And in a still small voice, he said, I am here and I am with you. And then he said, go and do the work that I have for you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this time when we can gather. We thank you for the example of Elijah, a man who chased after your following, Lord, and wanted to be your servant, but also a man who, who felt the low point of life, but understood what it meant for you to still be there even when he ran, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We praise you in all that you do. And all God's people said, amen.